0: Welcome to the Be Well at USAS podcast. My name is Peter Headley. I serve as the Director of Student Affairs and Services at the University. This podcast is for all members of the University of Saskatchewan community. Each week, members of our community will join me to share ideas and provide guidance on all aspects of being well, and we'll be highlighting campus initiatives and resources designed to engage and support you. In these challenging times, we hope the ideas and information we share will help. In this episode, I'm gonna be talking to Chloe Corcoran from Access and Equity Services, AES for short. We're going to be talking about some of the challenges that students are facing right now, but also some of the supports available to students as they're tackling virtual learning experiences. Welcome, Chloe. Um, Thanks for taking the time to be with me this morning.
1: Thanks for asking me to be here,
0: Peter, that's great. So can you start off by telling me a little about your role but also about the work that Access and Equity Services does to support students?
1: Absolutely. So I am one of the advisors uh, at AES for assistive technology. So there's myself and my colleague, Joel. And we work with primarily with students with disabilities who could use technology while they're at school. So it's kind of a, a bridging mechanism to help them become more successful um, and learn different ways of approaching their learning. So students can meet with us and we can talk about all sorts of things. So that's my primary role within access and equity. But because we have a large um collection of students, there are other areas that myself and Joel get involved in. So we work on campus with um, technology in other areas and partnering with other
0: departments
1: so that we can get, ideally, we can get more technology out to students, not just students with disabilities.
0: Are there many students who are registered with access and equity services? Because I would imagine it's not, not a service that everyone's aware of.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, our our portfolio has changed over the years. So originally, our office was known as Disability Services for Students, because that was the group of students that we were working with. Now, our office is called Access and Equity Services, because our office handles all the protected areas of the Saskatchewan Human Rights Code, which is sort of the official way of saying. We work, obviously, with students with disabilities, but we also work with students who fall under the other categories, which are, in case you didn't know, um, religion, gender identity, family status. So, those students on our campus who might need accommodations because of, let's say, the university has exams on Saturdays and Say a student is in a religion such as Judaism, which they consider Saturday the holy day, so they can't write exams on that day. So our office can work with the student and the faculty member, and we can help them be accommodated for that. The newest area of the code that most people are unaware of is known as family status. So that's a newer area of the Saskatchewan Human Rights Code, which essentially means it's the relationship between parent and child, regardless of age. So, if a student is experiencing issues with regards to the day to day care of their child, let's say who might have a disability themselves, or they're taking care of an elder parent who also has health issues that might fall into um, issues with academics. So, in other words, if a student is struggling with taking care of their child because the child has lots of doctor's appointments, um, and that you know, causes issues with attending class or an exam. Again, we can work with them to look at how to accommodate them. So you were right when you said that we have a large population and it encompasses all sorts of areas. So again, disability, religious accommodation, family status, gender issues. We're there to work with students, to work with faculty, to work with staff to help make the situation work better for everybody. So, yeah, it's kind of, um, it's an interesting area to be in.
0: And so, when we talk about these ideas of equity and accessibility, what what do we mean when, when we say the word equity um, in relationship to education?
1: You know, there's a very good image that I've seen, I'm sure lots of people have seen out there, and it's a picture of three kids standing at a fence looking, overlooking a, a baseball game. And these three kids are different ages and sizes. So you've got the tall kid who can easily look over the fence, and you've got the two smaller kids who one needs a box to stand on to look over the fence, and the other one can't find a box, therefore can't see over the fence at all. The idea behind equity is that all we're doing is supplying the boxes for those people who can't see over the fence, if you will. (laughs) And what I mean by that is we're leveling the playing field so that all students can be given the opportunity to start at the same level. So we're not giving students with disabilities, for example, we're not giving them an advantage, i.e. making it even more inequitable. We're trying to make the system equitable so that everybody has the same opportunities to get educated. And when you have a disability, for instance, you're already starting off at a disadvantage. So our role on campus is to help bring you up to the same starting point as the rest of your classmates so that you're not dealing with the disadvantage of your disability, the disadvantage of your family status because you have to take care of your elder sick parent, uh, the disadvantage that you are part of a religion, that means that you have to miss certain outings of your class, etc. So the idea behind equity is making it equal so that everybody has the same opportunity. That's essentially how we approach the idea of equity, is trying to find those areas that it isn't an equal playing field.
0: I, I was thinking, in you suggesting, talking about the idea of disadvantages. Well, in fact, I mean, in some cases, they're absolute barriers you know, a lot of people here um, and from families and students that they feel they couldn't come to um, post-secondary institution for education, that it, that it wouldn't work for them. It's just too big a barrier. But I think I hear you saying that actually this this team is absolutely designed to support that type of student to say, well, no, this is this is entirely achievable with, with our support. Absolutely with our support.
1: Absolutely. And it and it may not necessarily be us doing it. It may be a matter of us introducing the student to their other areas of support on campus. I mean, when you look at a student's life cycle at, a, at post-secondary, it's at least four years typically. And they're going to involve, they're going to be interacting with all sorts of areas on campus because that's what life is like. So it isn't a band-aid. We're not covering up an issue. And we're not the only ones. We're part of that student's team, just like their parents were, just like their siblings were, just like their friends were, their their teachers in elementary school, etc. So, it's about informing the student on what else is available for them out there. And again, so that they're not dealing with that disadvantage at university. And so...
0: Can you tell me a little bit, because I'm assuming that uh, the types of accommodations and uh, the types of uh, disabilities as per its old name have actually changed quite a bit over the years and the students who are registered at the moment.
1: Absolutely. Years ago, I think, the assumption was that when people heard the word disability that that meant the student was in a wheelchair or that they were blind and using a white cane. In other words, it was very obvious physical, typically physical disabilities, right? So that is what defined disability. Nowadays, we are seeing the majority of our students come from two categories. So that would be neurological disorders like ADHD and or mental health issues. So those are our two biggest components. And a lot of times they occur together. So
0: I, I know there might be some concerns um, from students about registering. Um, I know we've heard this mentioned certainly for, uh, not exclusively international students, but concerns relating to registering with the team and perhaps future immigration if a student wanted to um, remain in Canada. Do you have any evidence to suggest that that would be an issue or, or uh, how private are your records? Would they ever be able to be seen by anyone?
1: So, yeah, I mean, we take let's say medical documentation, which is required if you're going to register with our office for your disability. We take it very seriously, the the idea of privacy. So first of all, documentation wise, physically things are locked up. So on campus, our office would be the only place that would hold documentation that would explain what your disability is and how it affects you. No one else needs to see that, only we need to see that. Secondly, nowhere anywhere at the university does your status of being registered with us, for whatever the reason may be, nowhere does that show up. So in other words, it doesn't show up on your transcripts. You don't have a special code allocated to you. There is nothing that someone external would be able to see that would indicate to them that you were registered with our office. So we take that very seriously because now when a student is registered with us, they're an adult. So it is their right and their responsibility to determine who gets to know what information. So we work with them on that. And at the end of the day, it's left with the student to decide who they inform and how they inform them. So, yeah, it is it is left with the students. And with regards to your question about, you know, could it come back In my words, to haunt them at a later date. Again, no, because if the student has chosen not to share that information with anyone else, then no one else will know about it. So it shouldn't impact them, you know, whether it's visa related or otherwise. The only time, I should say, that it might come up is in regards to things like student loans where a student with a permanent disability might be on a reduced course load, which means they can study at less than full time, like other students on student loans, because of their disability. So sometimes we have to work with student loans on that. But again, the student starts that process, and they give us permission to interact with student loans.
0: And I think that confidentiality piece is what we do through and through, but it's it's important that people hear that. So perhaps we can turn our attention to the the current situation because both you and I are sitting in our homes, which we typically wouldn't do right now. Can you tell me a little about uh, the way that the Access and Equity Services team is working right now, um, particularly in relationship to the upcoming spring and summer and even fall terms, um, how students can continue to engage with the team?
1: Absolutely. So yes, um, the fact that we're at home doing this is unusual. The nice thing about it, though, if you want to flip it, is that when I say we, I mean literally everybody in the world for the most part, we're all doing this. We're all at home. We're all struggling trying to figure out ways to redo or looking at new ways of doing what we do on a day-to-day basis. And that goes the same for students. So we're all struggling with new ideas and new aspects and you know, new approaches to things, which change and newness is always a struggle, I think, whether you have a disability or not. And so we're trying to make it as little disruption as possible for the students. So, when it comes to, for instance, how does a student register with us? It would be the same in that we would still need to see documentation ahead of time. And then we would contact the student and say, your documentation looks great. Now we need to register you. So we'll book you an appointment. So, thanks to technology, we have the ability to do one on one registration appointments. It'll just be virtual now. So, instead of you physically coming into our offices, you too get to be at home. And we can do it through the web, we can do it on the phone. When it comes to things like exam accommodations, Those are being handled by the individual professors because, again, they are now having to use technology, which actually is a bonus, I would say, for our students who've already been dealing with technology because of their disabilities. So, again, because it's 2020 and we have access to some pretty good technology out there, there shouldn't be a lot of hiccups as long as you have internet access and a device to somehow get in touch with us, and then we go from there. And all of our services you can access online. So you can make your requests as you usually do through pause for things like exams or alternate format of your textbooks and email. And because we're all working from home, we all have access to email, to voicemail. We can do video chats. We can do whatever the student feels most comfortable with. Things may take a little bit longer than usual, but other than that, there should not be too much disruption to the student or to their schedule, and we're there to help them with that. It isn't just a done and goodbye. If at any point a student hits a struggle, whether it's technology or their disability or what have you, we are here just like we've always been. It's just going to be a different way of talking to us.
0: And maybe I can ask a couple of questions there about um, this new learning model, because it is very different for everyone, um, both those delivering the programs, those uh, learners as well. Um, You mentioned technology, and can you talk a little bit about uh, if someone has technology but don't necessarily feel confident in using it, perhaps how your team can help, um, but also some of the things you're noticing about people uh, registered with the team in the virtual learning environment?
1: Sure. So, technology, I mean, you've got your own technology, so on your own personal devices, whatever that is, but then there's technology that is available to University of Saskatchewan students, staff, and faculty. So, actually, there's a lot of free technology available, and one place you can look is in pause through the ICT channel there um, or their website, and I'm constantly amazed at the list of free software that students can have access to. So what I would say is, if you want to use this technology and you're unsure how to use it, absolutely, Joel and myself are around. And if it's something that we're knowledgeable on and we can help you with that, absolutely, we can do that. Otherwise, there's lots of staff on campus who can do that through ICT. One thing, though, that I'm finding interesting is that when it comes to technology, for the most part, I'm feeling pretty encouraged by how well students in general are taking to it. And, you know, you said, as there been messages that we've been receiving from our students about it? And one of the interesting things that I've noticed has been the amount of students who have expressed that they've kind of been preparing for this kind of life for a while because of their disability, So they are already, they're kind of ahead of the rest of the group in that sense. So they've been prepared for this, right? Whether that be working from home or doing everything online or using technology like text-to-voice where they could listen to their textbooks read out loud to them. That's been a really interesting progression to watch because the people I thought would struggle haven't really been struggling. That to me is a really good sign. But in general, if a student is struggling... They can always talk to us or they can talk to ICT. And again, it's part of that team kind of mentality. There's going to be somebody somewhere that can help you with that issue. The question is, do you have the knowledge to find them? And if you don't, there are people who will help you. You don't have to go always to the specific person to to get something solved. Sometimes it's a conversation and we can certainly give you guidance to where you might find that help.
0: I know also, I mean, your offer of support is not just for students. I know you do a lot of work in uh, supporting faculty members, staff members in understanding accommodation needs, providing some support on those, because obviously you mentioned the sort of privacy confidentiality issues. So they're not uh, always entirely in the picture, um, nor do they um, actually have the right to always be in the picture if it's not a student's wish. So I know your offer of support is also for everyone in the campus community.
1: You know, we do get quite regularly questions from faculty around you know the various groups of students that we work with and so we always say to people we're here have a conversation with us ask your question don't worry about it don't feel bad about it I think there's a lot of hesitation and a lot of you know trying to be careful around what can I say to the student what can't I say there's fear about I don't want to upset them or I don't want to say the wrong thing And so we're always happy to chat with anybody who is looking for that kind of guidance. And if that's just explaining what a certain accommodation really means or whether that's giving advice on how to handle a certain kind of situation, you know, we do get a lot of faculty who are saying, I don't need to know the specifics around this student, but I'm really struggling with, I want to help them, but I'm not sure how to do that with how I'm presenting in this class I'll give you a really good example Um, I was contacted by a faculty member who said when when the university switched to online she asked her students to use a specific piece of free software to write a report let's say and one of her students contacted her and said because of my disability I can't use that software And so she didn't know what to do. And so the first place she reached out to was us. And so we had a great conversation about what was her goal with asking her students to use the software and then what kind of alternative options might exist out there. We're absolutely there for anybody who's interested. And that includes community members. You know, we've done a lot of work with community organizations, you know, not-for-profits that deal with different disabilities, for instance, and... We're happy to work with whoever and answer questions at any time. Never feel that that you can't ask us questions.
0: So one of the things I'm asking all the guests to share, if they're willing, uh, is to <laughs> talk a little about uh, what they're doing to be well right now. Maybe something that brings them joy or a sense of connection. What's that thing for you and, and how do you find it helps?
1: Well, I've been discovering the Joys and the disappointments of using video. Um, and for me personally, it's been video chats with my family. I don't have children myself, but I do have lots of little nieces and nephews in my life and I'm used to seeing them regularly and and hanging out with them and doing things with them. And so now all we really have is video. And so it's been an interesting uh, experience to sort of be part of that, but yet it's, it's helped me because it's given me that connection that I'm really craving a lot of times. And so, in fact, I have two nephews under the age of eight, and what I'm doing is every other day or thereabouts, I read them a chapter from a book, and it's a book I loved as a kid. And so, they're learning to love it through me. And I love being able to read to them. And they're amazing. They sit there and they listen to me and they answer questions and they're very interested and I can show them pictures. So, for me, that's been my saving grace is my connection with my family and still being able to maintain that has been really important. And, you know, not just using it for work, but for friends and having virtual, you know, cocktail hour and all the rest of it. It's been a lot of fun. And I don't have to leave my home. So, really... It's, yep. just, it's good all round.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, I think there's been a truth for a lot of people just working out, but certainly the the protocols for uh, large, large numbers of people on a call. I was on a call with some friends recently, and then we were at six different locations and 12 oh. of us and kids in the background. And I thought, who's chairing this? Like, have we got an agenda? How are we going to make this work? <laughs> who's um, taking the notes? It was, just, it was just a complete free for all. So certainly yeah. I think it's an interesting one. And even us talking today and. One thing it's made me uh, is way more mindful of letting people speak and finish. You know, Um, I'm sure that we're not as careful. Uh, and respectful as, as we could be in day-to-day life and it's making me way more mindful to give people the space and absolutely reading with my own children has been something that brings me enjoyment and and hopefully them Um, they seem to they seem to be happy but I so, think so
1: I think a lot of adults remember when their parents read to them you know it's it's a memory that you really do hold on to and if you reread those stories as an adult it kind of brings up the memories of the voice and and what it felt like to hear those words and and everything else. So yeah, it's interesting and you know talking technology that's been a learning curve for everybody is learning how our conversation is very different on video than it is on a phone, let's say. And whether that's directly because of the technology there's a delay and because when you talk over each other, you hear nothing. And so learning like you said, being mindful of the other person and not being as quick to talk. It's been an interesting change, I think, worldwide for us to learn this new way of conversing with each other.
0: There's me being paranoid about interrupting you now. Yeah, see? (laughs) (laughs) So is is there a final thought that you'd want to leave listeners with, uh, maybe just in general rather than just specifically about the work that you do?
1: Absolutely, because it's one thing I have to keep reminding myself over and over again, and that is This too shall pass. Uh, I think we need to remember that whether or not things are going to change, which they probably are, let's be honest, but this will pass. This isn't forever. Things will change. We will get back to some form of our own normalcy, which will have changed as well, but we're all in the same boat. And I think it's important to remember that, it isn't going to be this way forever. Who knows what it's going to be, but it it isn't necessarily going to be this way. So it's important to just keep reminding ourselves of that and that we're all in this together for the first time in ever, I think, really, as a world. We're all in this together.
0: I think it's a really great message to end with and actually links in with a lot of what you've already said. Well, listen, thank you so much. I know you um how busy you are and the team is at the moment, so I really appreciate you taking the time to spend uh, with me today and to share those thoughts.
1: Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for asking me and for including me. Yeah, thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to the Be Well at USAS podcast with me, Peter Headley. And thanks again to Chloe for joining me and sharing. Registered students can connect with the AES team by phone or by email. The links are listed in the podcast details. Please check in again for further episodes and more content related to USAS supports. Subscribe and share this podcast We're currently on YouTube and Spotify. We'd also love to hear from you. So please post comments and questions and we'll look to include them in future episodes. Also, if there's a person you'd like to see as a guest or a topic you'd like us to cover, please let us know. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking to Sarah Sotvet, the manager of Student Residence Life. We're going to be talking about how the Residence Life team on campus has responded to the current COVID situation and the ways in which they're keeping students and residents safe and supported at this time. So until next time, stay safe and be well.